What I'd like to do, just for our time this morning, is I'd like to teach on an attribute of God. An attribute of God. We've been doing some work in the attributes at our church over the summer, and, and uh, I really had it on my heart to speak to you on the, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Not our wisdom, but, but God's wisdom. What does the Bible say about God's wisdom? And I thought before we get to the point where we could maybe talk about God's wisdom, it's important that we first understand his knowledge. So if you're taking notes today, it's going to be a little different than maybe what I would do normally and maybe what Brian would do normally where we just walk through a passage line by line, verse by verse. I'd like to just take you all over the scriptures and, uh, and really a lot of my message is just the scripture. So I don't know if you should be concerned to write every uh, scripture down or because I'm just going to be rifling them out, okay? And in fact, maybe what I could do is send somebody my notes in the week and if you want to get a deeper look and want every reference, uh, you can do that, okay? And so, but just listen, you can jot some of them down, but it's it's a unique message for what I usually do because we're trying to articulate the the character of God. So I want to first look at his knowledge, what does God namely know, and then I want to just kind of discourse, you know, take a fan out from that and talk about God's wisdom, God's wisdom. But let's first look at the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. Of course, you know when we speak of the word the knowledge of God, we're talking about God's knowledge. We're talking about, we, we say in theology, his omniscience. And his omniscience, as revealed in the scripture, right? Because whenever we talk about God's character, I'm not up here uh, telling you about God's character in a vacuum. Everything we know about God's character comes out of the scripture. And when the scripture speaks of what does God namely know, well, the scripture is going to say that he knows all things, and we call that his omniscience. Here's the scriptures for that. Psalm 147 verse 5 says that his understanding is infinite. So when you think of what does God understand or what does God know, 147 147 verse 5 says his understanding is infinite. When you look in the New Testament in the book of 1 John in chapter 3 verse 20, it just simply but profoundly says that God knows all things. Sometimes when I was growing up, you know, you'd get around a kid who, who kind of thought he knew everything, and we would sometimes use that phrase, that person thinks he's a, what, a know-it-all, right? But you understand, when we're talking about God's character, he really does know it all. John, again, says he knows all things. Job 37, verse 16, speaks of the wonders of the one perfect in knowledge, Psalm 139.2 says, remember there when the psalmist said, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. He knows when you rose up today. He knows when you sit down. It's just a way and an expression of the psalmist just to capture all that God knows. He knows every dimension of our life. In fact, it says in Psalm 90 verse 8, you have placed our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. He not only knows all things, he knows even the things that are in secret in terms of our sin. 
In fact, in Psalm 94, verse 7, they have said, speaking of the wicked, that the Lord does not see. When will you understand, the Bible says, stupid ones, that he who planted the ear, does he not hear? And he who planted the eye, does he not see? I mean, the Bible's just replete with this, that he knows all things. It says in Job eleven eleven that he, I like this verse, he sees iniquity, here's the phrase, without investigating. In other words, you got all these shows on TV that deal with detectives and looking and investigating and looking at things under the microscope. Listen, God knows all things. And he never even has to investigate. In fact, it says in Job 28, 24, that he looks to the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. Job 34, 21, his eyes are upon the ways of man and he sees all their steps. It says there in Job 34, 22, there is no darkness or deep shadow where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. I mean, there's never any place anyone can go on the face of the globe where Almighty God does not see, does not know, does not hear. That's the teaching of the Scripture. In fact, profoundly in Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching evil and good. And so it speaks of his eyes. In other words, God we know is a spirit, but they put proportions on it that he has eyes and his eyes are in every place. Proverbs 5.21, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. He watches all his paths. It was J.I. Packer, the theologian, who said, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient creator. I mean, there's, there's more. I'm just touching on them. Isaiah 29, 15. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, who sees us? Or who knows us? There's a curse pronounced on that person. There's no deed that any wicked person would ever do that the Lord doesn't know about. Psalm 69, verse 5. Oh God, it is you who knows my falling and my wrongs are not hidden from you. Psalm 44, 20. If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hand to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. So, It's amazing when you talk about the omniscience of God. He not only knows what you do. He knows when you rise and when you lie down. He knows even the issues that are on your heart is what the Bible says. God says in Jeremiah 16, 17, My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is iniquity concealed from my eyes. Jeremiah, you certainly remember, Grace Bible, that classic verse in Jeremiah 17, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. And then the last phrase is, who can understand it? But we sometimes stop reading there. The next verse is this, verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind. God knows, listen, 
Not every, he knows everything, not only in the past. He knows everything, you would agree with me, in the present. But listen, he is also in perfect knowledge of the future. He knows everything in the future. You know that Psalm in 139 verse 16, when he said, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book they were written... The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not, what? One of them. He wrote all your days in the book when there's not yet one of them. You say, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Well, he does. And he put every day that you'll ever live in the book and nothing will ever surprise him. God knows, listen, everything that can be known, everything that has ever been known, and everything that will ever be known. And this he knows instantly, okay, from all eternity. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. I'm thinking of Isaiah. In Isaiah 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes and see who has created these stars, and the one who leads forth their host by number, it says there in Isaiah 40, he calls them all by name, and because of his greatness and his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. He knows not only you, he knows the solar system. He knows the stars. He's called every one of them by name. Do you remember when the psalmist just broke out in 139 verse 6? And he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. And certainly there's an aspect of the omniscience of God that can bring fear that he knows everything about us. But at the same time, in the scripture, the knowledge, the knowledge of God ought to bring us comfort. I'm thinking of Job in 23.10. In the midst of his trial, in the midst of his pain, he said he knows the way I take. He knows. Job's problems and his trials were not unseen by God. It says in Psalm 103 verse 14, remember that, that statement? He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but what? Dust. Psalm 56, you have taken account of my wanderings. Remember this one? And you put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Listen, he knows your hardship. He knows your tears. It says there that he's put them in a bottle. Remember what Jesus said in the Gospels of John? He, in, in the Gospels itself, he said, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Your heavenly Father, the Bible says, knows you need all these things. Listen, listen to how Tozer described it. We're talking on his omniscience. Tozer said, God being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or may exist, uh, he said, in the century or ages yet unborn. God knows, Tozer said, instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirits and all spirits, all being and every being, 
all creaturehood and creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones, all dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. He knows it all, Tozer said. It's incredible. I mean, just practically, just for a moment, God, you understand this, never, ever discovers anything. God, in his person, in his character, is never surprised. God, unlike us, never forgets. So he never has to remember. Let me blow your mind just a little bit how he's unlike us. God does not study. Sorry, students, okay? He does not learn. He does not analyze. He doesn't have to count. He doesn't have to add. He doesn't have to subtract. He knows all things at once, instantly and without effort. In fact, Piper put it this way. He says of God's character that he knows all recorded facts, all the facts he said stored in the computers and all the books in all the libraries in the world. But vastly more than that, he knows all things at the macro level, all things he said that happen on the earth and in the atmosphere and in the farthest reaches of space in every galaxy and star and planet. He went on to say that he knows all events at the micro level, all that happens in molecules and atoms and electrons and protons and neutrons. He knows all their movements in every location, every condition of every particle of the universe at every nanosecond of time. And when one event happens, he sees it, but he sees it in an eternal chain of events that flow from it and from all the billions of events that are unleashed by every other event. He knows all this without the slightest strain of his mind. End of quotes. Incredible, isn't it? That's God. That's God's knowledge. But what about his wisdom? <laughs> I said all that to get to this point. What about his wisdom? I mean, wisdom is more than knowledge. I mean, you and I know this. You can have book sense, but you can lack common sense. And one who is wise, what is someone who is wise? One who is wise, humanly speaking, can make the appropriate application to the knowledge they know. I think we get that. Wisdom, at least for us, is the ability to take knowledge and put it into practice in our life. That's wisdom. But I don't want to talk about our wisdom. I want to talk about God's wisdom because his wisdom is different than ours. And when you talk about his wisdom from the scripture, understand that when even I talk about God's wisdom as an attribute, God's wisdom is the essence of his being, okay? God did not gain wisdom by study. God does not gain wisdom by experience. 
God doesn't gain wisdom by mistakes. Listen, he is wise because he's God, okay? That is why Paul, in Romans 16, 27, spoke of the only wise God, And when Paul gets to the end of his masterpiece, at least in that rich theological section in Romans 11, 33, he said, oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And I'm thinking of Psalm 147, verse 5, great is our Lord. Remember that? And we said that his understanding is infinite. And the Bible goes to some length to talk to us where wisdom can be found. Just listen, you don't have to turn there. But in Job 28, where is the place that wisdom can be found? Job asked the question, where is the place of understanding? And it says in the scripture, man does not know its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. For the deep says, it's not in me. The sea says it's not in me. It cannot be bought for gold or silver. cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. Gold and glass cannot equal to it. Nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention it shall be made of coral and crystal. The price of wisdom, Job 28 says, is above pearls. From whence and where does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding The writer says it's hidden from the eyes of all the living, concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say we have heard the rumor of it with our ears. And then Job says God understands the way to it and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. So let me just take you just a little step further. He not only knows all things, but the scripture says that he's all wise. Now, you remember when it said this in Isaiah, you know the scripture. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor informed him? And with whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? And the answer is what? No one. He's so far above us. He doesn't need a counselor. He doesn't need to consult. He just knows. And he not only knows, but he has wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Let me just pursue this with you. Tozer captured it this way. He said, wisdom is the ability, listen, to devise perfect ends and achieve those ends by the most perfect means. He said, wisdom sees Fair, right? The end from the beginning, so that there's no need to conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in proper relation to all, and thus able to work towards predefined goals with flawless perfection. Listen, Grace Bible Church, let me say it this way. All of God's works, all of God's decrees, are ordered in perfect wisdom for his own glory, then for the highest good, for the greatest number, for the longest time. He's wise. Now, there's ways that go beyond the scope of our time here. And when you begin to look in the scripture, 
His wisdom is revealed in a number of ways, okay? I don't have time to unpack all of them, okay? In fact, we're, we're racing maybe to get to a couple of them. But I could take you to how his wisdom is revealed in Christ. When you think of how can I see God's wisdom? What's it look like? Well, it's revealed in Christ in Colossians 2, 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So God's wisdom is bound up in the person of Christ. Wisdom, of course, in the New Testament is revealed um, in salvation. It's revealed in the cross of Christ, is it not? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We know if we went over to Ephesians chapter 3, God's wisdom is revealed in the church. Certainly we can gain part of that wisdom through the fear of the Lord. But for our time here, just as we go forward... Let me just focus on two ways that God's wisdom is revealed to us, okay? We're talking about his wisdom, but two ways, okay? Let me just say this. In the scripture, God's wisdom is revealed to us in creation, okay? It's revealed to us in creation. The psalmist said this in 104 verse 24. O Lord, how many are thy works? And then this phrase. In wisdom, thou hast made them all. And the earth is full of thy, it says, possessions. I love that phrase. How many are thy works? In wisdom, thou hast made them all. When you look at creation, the physical universe, God's wisdom was applied. And in wisdom, he created the earth. It says this in Proverbs 3, 19, and here's the tagline. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth, and by understanding, he established the heavens. In other words, when you look at creation, you would agree that he just spoke it into existence. But, you know, coupled there with his power of the spoken word, when he said, let there be light and there was light and let there be the sea and let there be teeming animals and so forth. He just spoke it into his existence, omnipotence. But listen, his omniscience was there because he knows all things. But when he created the world and at creation, his wisdom stood by him. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. I just kind of think it's funny because we're building a building right now where I'm from in central California. I work with, uh, in an agricultural area with farmers and it's so fun and we're just getting ready to build a building and we come in and we have this architect and there's plans all over it and it's gonna be this dimension, this angle and it's gonna seat this many people and are we gonna put pews in it? Are we gonna put chairs in it? What are we gonna do with the ceiling? What are we gonna do with the walls? What are we gonna do with the acoustics? And where are we gonna have the flow here? And we've got plans in paper after paper after paper. We've got traffic studies. And I kind of just think, I was thinking, man, with God, he doesn't need any plants, right? He already knows all things, but he also sees the end of all things to perfect perfection. So that here at his creation, he not only was omnipotent to speak it into existence, but his wisdom was right there alongside him. Job put it this way in Job 38, where were you then when I laid the foundation of the earth? 
In other words, he laid the foundation. He said, tell me if you have understanding who set its measurements since you know or who stretched the time on it or what were the bases sunk or who has laid its cornerstones. Listen, he made the world, the Bible says, with his wisdom. In other words, matched with his knowledge was infinite wisdom to see the end from the beginning. There were no change orders when he made the creation. After he created, he said it was perfect. And no wonder when, jo- when God was speaking to Job in 38, 16, he said this to Job, have you entered into the springs of the sea? Have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? Job, how much do you really know? Because I do know all those things, God says. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, remember, you go on and you can read this on your own in Job 38. Have you entered into the storehouses of the snow? And he's challenging Job in that way. Have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided or the east wind scattered on the earth? Who who has cleft a channel for the flood or a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on the land without people on a desert uh, without a man in it? to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of the grass to sprout? Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew from whose womb has come the ice and the frost of heaven who has given it birth? And this is just what the Bible says. In fact, let me just take you to something. Look over in your Bible to Proverbs. Will you look at that just for a second? Go over to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8. You remember there when it's talking about wisdom and wisdom becomes personified. And and even when you look over to Proverbs chapter 8, the whole chapter is given to that. And it says in Proverbs 8, 1, does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice and so forth. Look at verse 12 I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. And he's just talking about wisdom, but he gets to this point in verse 22. And wisdom here is personified. Just look at it. The Lord, in Proverbs 8, 22, the Lord possessed me, speaking of wisdom, at the beginning of his way and before his works of old, from everlasting I was established, from the beginning of the earliest times of the earth, When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, he said, I was brought forth. And while he had not made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the wind, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, where he set the sea for its boundaries so that the waters should not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. What a great text. Wisdom was there at creation. 
So when you think of his knowledge, you think of his wisdom to enact perfect means to most perfect ends for his glory, for our good, for the greatest number, for the longest time, his wisdom was there. I was reading, it's kind of funny, have you ever heard about the bombardier beetle? I mean, when I think of his creation, I just think it's amazing. There's a beetle called the bombardier beetle. And this bizarre creature has a very unusual defense mechanism. It has, if you can imagine this, two, it has tubes in its tail that store two different chemicals. And these chemicals, when mixed together, cause an explosion. But it also has inside of it a third substance called an inhibitor which prevents any explosion from taking place until the chemicals enter the chamber in its rear, okay? And at this point, when that happens, an enzyme is added and an explosion takes place, firing a 212-degree jet out of its backside at its enemies and propelling itself several yards away. Amazing. I mean... Random chance would have never produced the bombardier beetle, right? God made it. He made it all. In fact, I'm sitting in the plane coming into Belgrade. And I, I was working on some of my stuff for the advance conference. And I was scribbling all over my notes. I'm sitting next to this woman. And she says, man, you're a tough editor. Because I was just... I said, oh, no, these are my notes for the students at the advanced conference. And I said, hey, you know, I'm speaking at the advanced, I figured that was my time to launch in. These are my notes at the advanced conference and I'm speaking to the young men about being sensible. And, And so that led into a conversation, very educated woman, very educated woman, speaks at universities, involved in plant life all over the globe. And I begin to share with her. And, I, and, and as, we're dry, as we're talking and flying in a little tube in the sky, it was a gorgeous sunset. And I said, you know, when you look out at creation, I see a designer behind all the design. There is a God. And this educated woman said to me, you know, no, I, I just think that's, how the world came into existence. And the reason those colors are that way is they're reflecting and refracting off something that she said. She's a scientist. And I thought in the midst of seeing that, she could not see the person of God. And the scripture, beloved, is just so clear. Listen, he's not only knows everything, he's a God of wisdom. And his wisdom is magnified when he built the earth. Think about this particular creature, the honeybee. Okay, it tells its worker bees where the pollen is found. And to tell its worker bees where the pollen is found, it performs a circular dance inside the hive to describe the directions in which they should travel and adjust its motion to take wind speed into account so the worker bees do not get blown off its course as they fly. I mean, who made that stuff? God made it. He made it. I'm thinking of the electric eel. How does this work? The electric eel fires a 300-volt blast of electricity to stun its prey. I mean, who made that? 
Well, the Bible says in wisdom, you have made them all. (laughs) This is funny. Life by random chance, said a professor of biophysics at Yale, has the probability of one in 10 to the 340 millionth power. I can't even fathom those numbers. He said, or the chance of enough people to fill the solar system all blindfolded, solving a Rubik's Cube simultaneously. This is why Jeremiah, when he said in Jeremiah 10, 12, he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding, he has stretched out the heavens. That's God. And you know him personally. So his wisdom is revealed in creation. But listen, secondly, his wisdom is revealed in providence. You say, what's that? (laughs) It's, It's revealed in providence. What is providence? Well, we we sometimes like to say that providence, listen, is God's invisible hand orchestrating all events for his glory and for our good. It's his invisible hand. You know, he doesn't have a hand. We understand that. But it's invisible hand orchestrating every single event in all of the world for his glory and for our good. God's power and wisdom created the world. Listen, his providence then is an exercise of that power, listen, in which God sustains all creatures, involves himself in all events, and directs all things toward their appointed end. In fact, Watson the Puritan said this, there is no such thing as blind fate. He said, but there is a providence that guides and governs this world. So providence is God's ordering all issues and all events of all things after the counsel of his own will for his own glory. Here's what the Westminster Confession of Faith said. It's a little wordy. You'll you'll get it, I think. God is orchestrating, upholding, governing all creatures and actions from the greatest to the least by his wise providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and immutable counsel to the praise of the glory of his wisdom and power and justice, goodness and mercy. In other words, he not only created the world, but I'm telling you, he's in control of every single event in your life. He is orchestrating all those things for his glory and for your good. In fact, Warfield, the great reformed theologian said, in the infinite wisdom of the Lord, all of the earth, each event falls with great exact precision into its proper place in the unfolding of the divine plan. Nothing, he said, however small, however strange, Occur, occurs without 
this his ordering or without its particular fitness for its place he said in the working out of his purpose the end of all shall be the manifestation of his glory and the accumulation of his praise let me let me bring it down when you and i drive a car somewhere how does your car know where to go I mean, does your car ask for direction? No. Your car gets you where you want to go because you are behind the steering wheel, if you will, steering it. And what the scripture is saying is that this, God is steering everything in heaven and earth to fulfill his divine purposes. Listen, the good The bad, the painful, the one who is born, the one who dies, the one who is sick, the one who has health, the one who has hardship. Everything is guided by the good God who has a good purpose for all he causes or allows to happen. That might be a little hard to swallow, but I want to tell you, by the authority of the word of God, he not only knows all things, He's all wise. And being all wise, he's in providential control of your life. So much so that God is guiding all the events in your life to serve his good purposes. It's amazing. I mean, let me put it this way. The wheels in a grandfather clock move contrary to one another. But as they move contrary to one another, they forward the motion of the clock. And as they do, they make the chimes ring. So too, in the providence of God, they seem to be kind of cross wheels, if you will. But for all that, they carry on the good of his people. So the providence of God is his sovereign work of steering creation, steering our lives, the good times and the difficult times, to fulfill his perfect plan. That's his providence. And I think we're well aware that we know, Romans 8, 28, that God causes what? All things to work together for the what? For the good to those who are called according to his purpose. Years ago, waste, you know, just waste from a, a whale's, you know, over in England, a, a whale's coal mine slid down into a mining community. And of all the heart-rendering tragedies of that day, none was worse than the fate of the village junior high school. Black slime slithered down a hillside and oozed its way into this classroom. And unable to escape, five teachers and 109 children died. And a pastor was being interviewed by a reporter at that time in response to the inevitable question about God. The BBC reporter asked this pastor about God. And the pastor's response was, quote, well, I suppose that we have to admit that this is one of those occasions when the Almighty made a mistake. End of quote. 
a mistake? God makes no mistakes. None. He said, well, it was out of his control. No, it's not out of his control. Things happen. He causes or he allows. But there's no mistake there. But forget those people. How about you? Do you ever wonder if God has made a mistake with you? A sickness? A child? A death? Listen, God never makes a mistake. He is not only sovereign. Listen, he is infinitely wise. And he knows your frame. And he's promising to work all things together for our good. One writer put it this way, as a wise, skillful pharmacist mixes medicine, our heavenly father wisely mixes exactly the right measure of bitter things and sweet to do us good. Too much joy would intoxicate us. Too much misery would drive us to despair. Too much sorrow would crutch us. Too much suffering would break our spirits. Too much pleasure would ruin us. Too much defeat would discourage us. Too much success would puff us up. Too much failure would keep us from doing anything. Too much criticism would harden us. Too much praise would exalt us. Our great God knows exactly what we need. His providence is wisely designed and sovereignly sent for our good. That's why it says in Isaiah 40, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, uh, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired his understanding is what inscrutable you might not see it but he knows he knows Spurgeon put it this way because you might be out there saying Scott I just I don't get it I mean there's bad things that have happened to me there's bad things that have happened in my marriage there's bad things that have happened to my children and my grandchildren Spurgeon is a help here He said, providence is wonderfully intricate. He says, ah. He says, you always want to see through providence, do you not? He said, you never will, I assure you. You do not have eyes good enough. You want to see what good that affliction was to you. He said, you must believe it. You want to see how it can bring good to the soul. You may be enabled in a little time, but you cannot see it now. He said, you must believe it. Honor God, he said, by trusting him. Depend upon it. However, let men rebel against this truth as they will. What God has determined from the end, from the beginning, he has left no screw loose in the machine. He has left nothing to chance or accident. You say, well, how's that, Scott? Well, he already knows all things. And if he knows all things, and he has all wisdom, and he can see the beginning from the end, then there's nothing in your life that ever providentially occurs outside of his perfect plan. You say, well, Scott, I don't like my job. You might not like it, but God knows what's good for you, doesn't he? You say, I don't like this situation that I found myself in or what my employer has done or what my ex-spouse has done. Listen, God knows. He's orchestrating every single event, every single circumstance in his wise providence for his glory, for your good, for the greatest number, for the longest time. 
That is why Paul said in Romans 11, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments. And it says, and unfathomable his ways. Listen, all of God's works are ordered in perfect wisdom, first for his own glory, then for the highest good, for the greatest number, for the longest time. Lutzer, pastor in Chicago, said, let me encourage you to take those, and he used it this way, quote, those if only statements, if only this, or if only that. He's, and if you have one this morning, if only, I, 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 if only, the, or if, you know, and he says, take those if onlys. He said, draw a circle around them and then label the circle the providence of God. He said, the Christian believes that God is greater than our if-onlys. His providential hand encompasses the whole of our lives, not just the good days, but Lutzer said the bad days too. We have the word accident in our vocabulary and he does not. He's in control of your life, is he not? And you say, well, Scott, I don't know if I can quite see you. Well, I don't know if I can quite see it. Some things we might not always understand until we get to glory, but I assure you, there is no such thing as blind faith. You say, well, Scott, if he knows all these things, it takes out the exercise of our own will and the sanctification process. No, it doesn't. You say, well, how does all that work? I'm not quite sure. All I know is God's at work in you, but he also told you to work out your salvation with fear and what? Trembling, but he's at work in you. And so here in his wise providence, he's sovereign, but he uses and he wants us to make wise and godly decisions. And if you ever wonder about his providence, the greatest demonstration of providence is at the cross of Jesus Christ, right? The greatest evil ever committed against the greatest person, Jesus Christ, is but the demonstration of God's love for you and his divine providence working out the death of his son for his glory and our good. Rest assured he's in control of your life. Why don't you bow your head with me this morning? As you bow your head, these are not easy things. You may not figure all of them out, but would you rejoice that he's in control? You might even say, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about what's becoming of our country. I'm worried about what's happening internationally. You may be, but I want you to know God's in perfect control. He's in perfect control. So I don't know what's going to happen politically. We've got an election coming up in a couple. He knows. He's in control. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to my health. I don't know what's going to happen. He knows. And he not only knows all things, but he's wise, working every detail out in his perfect plan to accomplish his glory and your good. Father, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Help us understand these things. These things, Father, even are in many ways beyond our finite mind. But we trust the word of God that this is your character. And then, Father, to think in all of it as we sang this morning that you pursued us and redeemed us by your grace and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we exalt him and we exalt you and we give your name praise. Oh Lord, may we bow in submission to it. May we submit our heart to it. And may you reveal your perfect course for us. This we pray and all God's children said, amen.